The following audio is via a Skype call. I think this is where everything finishes up. We just may be at the end of the line. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Saturday, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, if our luck holds up. And of course, we stay on the air, and that requires the typical yeoman's duty provided by none other than tall guy Nathan. How are you today, Nathan? 268, 269, <laughs> and 270. We have a winner. My goodness, and this was unrehearsed. I love that. <laughs> Outstanding. Yes. Uh, for those of us on the progressive side of the American ledger, we are delighted for the election of President-elect Joe Biden. And Suzanne, what makes that especially satisfying for you and me? I shook that man's hand. As did I. He came here to Sarasota in 2012. He was vice president, Joe Biden. Vice yeah. president, looking for another term in office uh, with Barack Obama. And he appeared locally, and we got tickets, and we went and shook that man's hand. And we even have pictures of that. I'm going to have to find those pictures. I remember that moment very clearly, and it's it's a fond memory, in part because I thought that Joe Biden needed the dignity of his office. It was uh, not unruly, but a fairly lively, even raucous crowd at moments there in downtown Sarasota. And when he made the rounds and he was shaking hands, I reached out, I shook his hand and I said, thank you for coming to Sarasota, Mr. Vice President. And he said, oh, he just, he took a half step back and he said, oh, well, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. And the reason why he was taken aback is because there were people, people were calling him Joe with iPhones and everything. And I don't know. New York must have moved down there for the, the time <laughs> being because it's like, hey, Joe, why don't you take a picture over here, Joe? Hey, it's me and Joe. And I thought, why don't we give the man the dignity of his office, right? You know. <laughs> right. And so um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that moment. I treasure it, in fact. And um, we can say we shook the hand of a man who went on to be elected president in his own right. Yes, we can. Now, to, I, now I have to dig out those pictures and get them on Facebook. Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, we will do that as a matter of fact. Today is kind of special for us as well because we have a first-time guest. Yes. We always love to interview other stars in the KKNW firmament, and that is certainly true of Sakura Sutter. This is her first time with us. So much to talk about. You know, Suzanne, you and I have this format within a format, I like to call it, metaphysical Q&A. And I love that phrase because it denotes our willingness to talk about just about anything under the stars, including the stars, <laughs> when we have astrologers on like Christopher Renstrom. But when we have somebody on with us who is versatile, who has long experience and deep insight, they belong with us. Why don't you give this lady her mad props? I was waiting for that invitation because I got it right here. And I'm going to go ahead it. and read. I got my cheaters on. We need to say hello to this lady and get started. Sakura Sutter is a master esthetician, spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive medium, and radio host of Love from the Hip. She has been working in the cosmetic industry for 18 years. She left the larger spas to open up her own hybrid practice to care for clients in the way she believed they needed to be cared for. In her own practice, Sakura incorporates skin, 
mind and energy modalities to help her clients address the big picture by assisting them with overcoming trauma patterns and phobias, releasing emotional blockages, and even connecting with lost loved ones. Sakura helps people to love what's on the inside so that they can love what's on the outside of their skin. A few years ago, Sakura was on the brink of death with a rare autoimmune disorder, which forced her into healing herself, especially the part of her that she didn't understand and had suppressed for so long for fear of being labeled different. Sakura had to learn to love herself again. After successfully healing, she started her radio show, Love from the Hip, in hopes of not only sharing her own personal story to lend support to others suffering from any physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual ailment, but also to provide a place where people could go who felt alone. She strives to gather resources, research, and recommendations that others may resonate with and bring into their own healing journey. Sakura has made it her mission in life to help others to heal and love themselves again. And we love the idea of having Sakura Sutter on Manson Mitchell. Sakura, my dear, welcome. <laughs> wow, thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you you heard our story today about how we shook um, Joe Biden's hand. And on this day, we are having you on a very momentous day today. Where were you when you heard the news? I actually was on my way here. <laughs> On the radio, there is the power of radio. There you go. <laughs> you were ahead of us, Sakura, because I was in my bedroom with my iPad listening to an edition of Love from the Hip. Oh, wow. I was <laughs> I doing show prep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Absolutely. also, I was chatting with a friend in Chicago, and there's fireworks, and it's just already off the walls. That's great. Yeah. So why don't you why don't you two <laughs> Chicago gals get together? We work from home on Skype. I've got the doorbell ringing. You know, it's probably just a book delivery. <laughs> okay. And we have a sign outside saying, "Don't do, ring the do doorbell. We're on the air. Do not oh, disturb." No. I'll tell you. You see, we're a divided country, and it's showing up in these acts of terrorism at our front door. Oh, yeah, two gals from Chicago. We found that out when yeah. we when we uh, talked to you on the telephone, and so right off we had something in common, and that that also there's a vibe when you come from the same city, and having come from the same city, we discovered that vibe. So that was <laughs> nice too. By the way, Sakura, I wanted to ask you: Have you seen this new documentary? Fascinating. I think there are five episodes. We've seen them all. Called "City So Real." No, I have not. It's on, I believe, the Smithsonian Network, and it City So Real has to do with um, just the mayoral election of 2018, which resulted in the election of Lori Lightfoot, and all that goes into a mayoralty campaign in the Windy City, which is, and you hear it described as such a few times, as a blood sport. You will <laughs> see the human side of humans, if you know what I mean. Uh -huh. The difficult slog, which leaves me, no matter who the candidate was or how they went about their business, because they all seem to be fighting hard battles, but I didn't see anyone behaving in a particularly foul manner. <laughs> but the politics was tough. And I felt admiration for all of them because you really have to put yourself out there in as big a chunk of America as Chicagoland is in order to have an impact for the betterment of your fellow human beings, your fellow citizens. I mean, that's really taking off a big chew, big bite and trying to do something good in the world in Chicago. 
you and Suzanne both know what it's like to live in that rough and tumble town. <laughs> it is a very tough city. It will definitely, you know, have you grow some armor, which is, is I, I'm appreciative of it. So, yeah. You, you know, it's it's funny because my, my sister's children grew up in Seattle and my sister and I grew up in Chicago. We started our earliest years right in the city. And then as I got to high school age, my parents wanted to move to the suburbs so I would get a a nice suburban uh, high school education. And, um, and it's interesting because she said to me one time, she said, I, I feel like my children are babes because they didn't grow up in a city like Chicago, which has you always being aware of what's around mm-hmm. you. Your surroundings, You're, yeah. Yes, you're always aware of your surroundings. You know who is, is where. I mean, when you ride the, the subway or the buses, you are very aware of everything that's happening. You have all kinds of vision, 360-degree vision. And she said, I don't see that in my own kids. They grew up in such a, a, a safe environment that, that they don't have that kind of uh, awareness. Right. I thought that was kind of interesting uh, take on growing up in a big city. I would definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah, I, I have a child myself, so she's 17 and I've raised her here, but we do go back to Chicago every year. So she does get to experience that and be aware of her surroundings in that way, which I'm glad. <laughs> I love Chicago. I've really made it kind of a, a second home, really, because when I go up there to visit Suzanne's brother and his wife and, and the kids, I feel like, oh, these, and Suzanne always likes to say, these are my peeps. And I go, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to borrow your peeps because Chicagoans, in my experience, and almost entirely owing to my relationship with Suzanne, 19 years and counting. We go up to Chicago, and I find that people insist upon keeping it real. Mm -hmm. They can spot a phony a mile away. They don't tolerate phoniness. But on the other hand, they love authenticity, and then they let their guard down. They, They loosen that armor a little bit, and you can make some deep friendships there. And I feel like I've been adopted by Suzanne's family. So I love to get up to Chicago. And the food. <laughs> and the food. Oh, oh, the yeah. pizza alone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. When we spoke to you on the telephone uh, asking you to come on with us today, we wanted to get to know you a little bit more, and we'd like our listeners to get to know you better. And what surprised Gary and I so much, Sakura, is the wide variety of experiences that you've had in your life and the wide variety of metaphysical experiences you've had in your life. So that's what we find most intriguing, and we want to kind of go in that direction as this being kind of an introductory day. A get-to-know-you interview. (laughs) Get-to-know-you. Awesome. before we get you know too deep or, or, or too far out on, on any one angle, let's just get a little bit about your background, besides Chicago. <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up in Chicago, then moved to Seattle. Um, I've been to Seattle actually a few times um, working for Starbucks. I worked for Starbucks Coffee Company for about 10 years in management, and I've managed Pike Place Market, U Village, so a lot of your flagship stores uh, getting experience there. And then I just kind of moved into um, uh, I, I moved into skincare from there, um, but I was doing both simultaneously. So I would serve my my clients their latte, but then I would go give them a facial. Um, so it was the extra experience, if you will. 
Um, and then from skincare, I kind of, um, having been in the skin industry for so long and my medical background working with dermatologists and plastic surgeons, I saw the surge and the rise in these chronic skin conditions that were completely abnormal. And I kind of had this hypothesis that they were rooted in more emotional baggage. Um, so I was looking into hypnotherapy because, you know, going to school to be a psychologist was going to take way too long. Um, and so I, I fell into hypnotherapy. And I believe you guys had Mary Lee LeBay on your show. Um, oh, many times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she actually trained me in hypnosis. Oh. Um, so I was able to then bring that in. And I initially I was like, oh, I'll bring it in for all skin issues, which I did. And there's a lot of skin issues. In fact, in the 70s, they were using hypnotherapy to help cure acne. So I already knew that it was possible. Um, so I brought it in for skin issues, but then I was seeing people for everything else. Um, so in, in doing that um, and realizing the power of hypnosis um, in healing the skin, um, yeah, I was completely turned on to it. But then I ended up actually contracting or, if you will, being diagnosed with an, a rare autoimmune disorder in um, around Christmas time of 2015, and um, ironically, it appears on your skin. Um, so then I had to then kind of revamp and um, sit with that, right? So and and go through my own healing process and use all the things that I had learned about, as well as reach out for those resources while you know receiving the Western medical treatments as, as well. So. Um, it was quite a journey. Um, I mean, I, I get more into detail with you guys, um, but I, I have always had this meta metaphysical kind of lingering essence about me. Um, I was hugely an empath as a child, and I didn't know what to do with that. Um, it wasn't like something you could talk about with people, but I, I would have these visualizations of um, theaters blowing up with bombs, and I had this weird thing with food. I, I didn't want to eat my food unless I saw you cook it. Um, I just thought I was always being poisoned. And so I was really having a hard time trying to understand what all of that meant. And honestly, it wasn't until I fell into radio where interviewing guests from all over the world who are into all of these metaphysical modalities that I was able to actually understand who I was and understand who I was more. But in order to heal myself from the autoimmune disorder, I really had to be okay with who I really am and not suppress any of that anymore. So... It's interesting to me that you were looking into this, all of these healing things before you needed them. Right. I mean, that, <laughs> that you know, usually people start looking into things like that after they need them. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'll try this and now I'll try this and now I'll try this. Well, you were working in all of those healing modalities before you ever needed to open up that box and use it on yourself. So that that's kind of interesting. But, but the, has anyone suggested to you that it could be that, especially those childhood things that you had going on with you, that that may have been part of a past life? Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, I explored past life because, you know, Mary Lee LeBay does a lot of past life regression. And so I did explore some of my past lives. And, and in fact, <laughs> I was a queen who was poisoned, um, food poisoned. So there you go. that carried there over go. from there and, and a lot yeah. of fears I had. But I also think I was um, absorbing everyone else's fears. Like I had trouble going to the mall. Um, I, I was uh, labeled as having agoraphobia. I mean, I was like five from age five to age 12. I was having these massive phobias and fears. Um, and so I couldn't go to the mall. And it wasn't because of the open space. It was because of all the people. 
it sounds like you were able to absorb everybody else's energy at an age where maybe you don't know how to build walls or how right. to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. And and you've learned that since then, I'm sure. And from an early age, being involved in Chicago, it, just breathing the air, handling the weather, handling the crush of people. You talk about putting on armor. That would be a place to learn that lesson. Right. Exactly. Plus, I mean, it's just, it's almost like Chicago's where you rip off the Band-Aid, right? <laughs> you just really have to sit in it. So, and I also, like, back to what you were saying, Suzanne, I think y- your soul kind of sets you up, right, for success, whether you want to, I mean, that's how I look at it, is everything happens for you, not to you. And it, it was pretty much aligning me to deal with this, right? It was putting me in position to overcome it. It was giving me all the tools and setting me up for success, really. Um, so, I mean, as hard as, as hard as it is to say that this autoimmune disorder was a blessing, it was a blessing for me because I really needed to love who I am and own who I am in order to go further to succeed, right? I mean, we cannot succeed without that authenticity. And so I really had to sit in who I am. Sakura, I can't tell you how many times we've heard something similar to what you just said. And that is when life is going well and you're standing there with a big old lollipop, you know, you you don't advance as much as when you are faced with challenges that you need to overcome. And then you can really enjoy your lollipop. But but it does seem like people are given challenges or agree to take on challenges when they come here so that they can grow their own soul. Right. Exactly. And I mean, having the autoimmune disorder, which, by the way, it's becoming more popular, which is not a good thing. Um, I actually found it because I looked on WebMD. I went to multiple doctors and nobody could give me a diagnosis. Um, in fact, the per- first person I saw was a dentist because I was having what pemphigus is, I should explain, is it's a blistering disease. So you get these fluid-filled blisters all over your mucous membranes, and I started to have them in my mouth first. So I was seeing a dentist, and he just didn't know what that was. He just chalked it up to a viral infection. Um, so then I went on WebMD, and I found it myself um, and went to a dermatologist that I had been employed by, And he ran the biopsy for it and was like, yeah, unfortunately, you're right. Um, Of course, I read online about the severity of it. But, you know, the the Internet always dramatizes everything, right? So I just was like, mind over matter. It's going to be fine. Um, It was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. Um, To imagine having blisters all over your body, but that became huge open lesions where I looked like a burn victim. And so three years ago, I had trouble walking. I was in a wheelchair. I had to sleep on ice packs. Um, I had to have my body dressed by my family who, was, who took me in and was putting Vaseline all over my body just so I could wear bandages all day and then sleep you know, on ice packs as well um, and take bleach baths. And it was unbearable, but I had to sit in it, right? So if it taught me anything, it was to surrender. It was to sit in what was happening to me, for me, right, and and what that was, and not to be a victim of it. Like, why is this happening? What is the opportunity that I need to take from this? As a practical matter, Sakura, let me just ask you, because there's somebody out there who has, has it in their head as well, uh, and I'm sorry for all the pain you went through. 
trying to get through a day, you need your rest. How would you be able to sleep on ice packs? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was really hard. I mean, my nerves were all kind of messed up anyways. And, you know, some people will compare it to shingles when it first when you have a first onset as far as how it feels. So there is nerve damage. Um, so, I mean, it, I had to numb my body in order to 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 relax, in order to fall asleep. Um, and it's not that I slept for very long hours, but yeah, I had to use the ice to just numb myself, right? And, and it was almost like numbing my mind. It's like a brain freeze, right? But your body freezes. Mm. So that, not the most comfortable. I would not recommend it. Well, no. I mean, that's the kind of thing you, you wouldn't take, uh, you know, people from ISIS, and I don't mean a pun there either, yeah. or inflict that on prisoners or the worst enemy in your life and put them through something like that. And yet you endured and you lay claim legitimately it appears that you healed yourself was there any aspect of it that required enough intervention that some doctors got together maybe a team of them a doctor and a nurse perhaps who looked at it and said oh we know what this is and there is a course of treatment well yes of course i mean it was basically it was you know it, it was a culmination of a lot of different things but yeah i was ended up seeing a um, professor of dermatology at UW. And it's so crazy because despite the severity, it's got a 5 to 15% mortality rate. But you mm. see a dermatologist, right? So I was seeing a UW professor um, in dermatology who specialized in pemphigus vulgaris. Um, so I was seeing him and, and then like a team of interns, right? So I always had different people in the room with me when I came in. And I was like the best case for them to see because I was like the worst case of pemphigus that they could see. And honestly, there were times where I just felt like I, I wasn't going to live. And, 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 and even looking at their faces and, and I've made some of them cry. So um, so. I was under treatment with them, but with that, it was all experimental. So they would throw steroids at autoimmune. That's what that's how they treat it, is to suppress your immune system. So they throw steroids at you, and then once the steroids don't work, they threw an experimental drug at me. So this was a drug. It's called rituxin or rituximab. It's actually used for lymphoma. Um, so I was one of the first patients to receive it for pemphigus, but I had to fail at steroids first. So, but aside from that, I wasn't just doing that. I changed my diet. I was like, I'm going to go vegan and just completely detox my system. I fell into the medical medium and his supplements and about how your body does, just doesn't attack itself. There's an underlying issue. There's a virus there. So he talked about Epstein-Barr virus and supplements that you can take for that, for hidden viruses. I was doing that. And then I also had, um, luckily, I have such a great tribe of people, of friends and family, and I had some friends come in and offer their services for weekly hypnosis. So I was doing weekly hypnosis from my bathtub every week, working on also all the ancestral healing, all the epigenetic healing that you hear about, as well as all of the toxic relationships that I had stuffed in my body and that were, you know, were surfacing on my skin, essentially. Um, so I was doing all different things. But mind you, before I actually fell into just complete Western medicine, I was doing everything. Homeopathy, Ayurvedic, Chinese herbs, acupuncture. I even sent my picture to John of God in Brazil. Have you guys heard of him? Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. So I sent my picture to him for healing. I tried everything. But it was more than just 
you know, giving it all up to someone else, right? Because that's where the healing takes place is when you step in and you take responsibility for your healing as well. You don't need to just give it all over to the doctor. You have to be involved in your healing. Now, look, I'm in a support group with a lot of people who are suffering from pemphigus. And most of the people on there are family members because the actual people that have it are too ill, right? They're just too ill. They're dying. And I will tell you that a lot of them have had the same infusions I have, and they're still suffering, and they've been in it for years, like 10, 10 plus years. And I suffered really from 2017 until about 20, actually 2018 was the last time I had a blister. Um, but it's more than just the medicine, right? It's stepping into your own healing, which is really hard to do. I would think that's an amazing story when you're so symptomatic as well. That's an act of the will. Right. You know, but your body's talking to you all the time, right? It's like whether or not you're choosing to listen, but it's not like I didn't have other symptoms prior. I mean, I had vertigo for seven years. I suffered from leaky gut issues, but I was always just putting it off, right? I'm like, oh, I'll take this for that and I'll take this for that. And I just put it off, put it off. But also at the same time, I've, I've been a very holistic person and I knew like I should meditate and work on myself. So there was part of me when I honestly got this that was like, why me? Like, I'm doing the work. Why me? You know, Suzanne and I share a physician. We've got more than one doctor. It depends on what's wrong with you at any given time, of course. Right. There, But the doctor we see most frequently has a sign in all of his various offices within his complex there. It's a, each one is a dry erase board. And what he wrote by hand years ago, and it's still there, says, watch your words because your body hears every word you say. So true. Absolutely and, and completely true. <laughs> I found that out for myself. If you're saying, how many times do people regard life or individuals in their lives as a pain in the neck? And then you'll see them instinctively take their hand and put it on the back of their neck. Mm -hmm. We have a tendency to create a a living metaphor out of our stress. Right. And And so imagine not only healing that, but, you know, with ancestral healing too, right? I mean, your, your DNA will carry trauma. It does. It carries over. (laughs) And so and unfortunately, most often it lands on the person that's strong enough to deal with it the most. Right. To end it for the whole family lineage. And how do you end that kind of uh, ancestral problem, Sakura? Well, I think for each one, it's different. Right. But for what I was dealing with for pemphigus vulgaris for this autoimmune disorder, it was self-hatred. And I had come from a lineage of women, especially, that have issues or had issues with loving themselves and were entering into abusive relationships and toxic relationships because there was no self-worth, there was no self-value. And in order to find that out, I was doing, aside from hypnotherapy, I was actually getting theta healing and with Lisa Clay. And so the theta healing brings you back different generations And it kind of puts you into a very lucid state, much like hypnosis. And then you go back different generations. And I was seeing these these images. It was like a movie. I was seeing my ancestral lineage pop up just like a movie. And I could see it all play out. And it was a lot on my Japanese side, believe it or not, of these women who had suffered. Um, So that's kind of how I. And so I knew that if I would 
step into loving myself and, and, and believing in myself that I would end that and end that for my daughter too, right? Some years ago, I can't even remember how many now, somebody said that when you heal something in this lifetime, you heal it for all the lifetimes, past and future. And I really struggled with that concept for a long time. How do you heal the past? How do you heal what's already happened? And and I guess the best way that I can kind of reconcile that idea is the the other difficult to understand idea of the multiverse. Mm -hmm. And so you can heal something today, familial, personal, however it might be, and it actually goes in every direction on a matrix um, to heal everything. Right. And and so, you know, when when you heal up, you not only do that for yourself today, you do that for past selves, future selves, and and if I understand you correctly, also your ancestral um, selves. Exactly. Yeah, you're just healing that karma, right? So you don't have to go back into it in your next lifetime. Like who wants to? Right? <laughs> we have one break an hour. We're going to take it now. Okay. And then we're going to, I'm going to get into the left turn lane here because okay. I, would, I would like for us to talk about something different, something that is more in the normal wheelhouse for us. You were very brave in giving us the biographical details of some genuine suffering, but also a healing triumph in your life, owing to your own will to heal and to be authentic in your engagement with life, Sakura Sutter. We appreciate you very much for that. We also want to talk to you about your show. In fact, you're involved with two shows on 1150 AM KKNW. We'd like to talk about those on the other side of the break. Before we take our leave, I did want to mention those of you who might want to check out City So Real, because you can never get enough Chicago. <laughs> City So Real is actually on the National Geographic Network, also known as Nat Geo. City So Real on National Geographic, a complex portrait of Chicago from the historic 2019 mayor's race to the tumultuous summer of 2020. Well, we're going to turn down the tumult and turn up the metaphysics as we talk about Sakura's presence on AM 1150 and the implications for individual spirituality, how we experience spirit, how we experience each other in this life and beyond. We'll be right back. You're listening to Manson Mitchell, and you are tuned in to Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. 
She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Mark Anthony, psychic medium and lawyer, to weigh the evidence for eternity. On Saturday, Hank Garrett makes his debut on our show. From abject poverty in the mean streets of Harlem to his movie and television roles on Car 54, Where Are You? and Three Days of the Condor, Hank has great stories to share. Bringing you fascinating talk one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Somebody just texted me, stop shoving Chicago down our throats. <laughs> there you go. And it's not the 4th of July. It's November 7, and we're <laughs> with Sakura Sutter. Sakura, if people would like to connect with you, now is the time for you to talk about any social media, your website, your radio show, anything that you want to say where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at sakurasutter.com or lovefromthehip.com. Um, I also own a skin and mind clinic here in Redmond, Washington, and that's sakuraskinandmind.com, as well as I'm on Instagram at lovefromthehip. Um, Also, Go Beyond the Veil, that's another show that I do. Um, And you can also find me on Facebook as well at lovefromthehip. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sakura, for joining us today. More questions, different subject matter, and this one involves a lot of what you discuss on the show that you do is it every second Wednesday of the month, your partner, it's a monthly show. Yes, I'm aware. (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. Okay. And and when you take to the airwaves in that particular show, you talk about something that really is in our wheelhouse. And that is the idea that mediumship, spirit communication, after death communication, visitations, dream visits, et cetera, et cetera, are characteristic of people's lives, perhaps in a way that has never been so publicized before. Maybe it was happening just as much in previous eras. I don't know about that. 
But today in the 21st century, not only is there a seeming explosion of practicing mediums, but people are willing to open up and talk about their experiences and venture speculating what might await us when we lay these bodies down. For sure. I would say, too, as we like to say, is more and more of us are coming out of the closet. So, (laughs) you know, I think people are just hitting a wall with traditional therapies and traditional medicine, and they're just seeking other other avenues. And that's where all of this comes in. And And it's been around for a long time. I mean, you think of witchcraft, right? I mean, it's been called other names and alluded to as other things, but it's it's been there for a very, very long time. This thinning of the veil idea, I admit to being, uh, hopefully an honest one, but I admit to being a skeptic about that because if there is a spiritual movement, it would originate on the other side of life, it seems to me, where the veil thins so that people can be in contact with their loved ones and we can gain assurance, if not absolute proof, that our consciousness and sense of identity survives the death of our bodies. I am aspirational about it, Sakura. I hope that that's true. I want it to be true, but that's not a very scientific approach. I always ask, because I'm a good Virgo, I can be skeptical, and I always ask, where's the evidence? Follow (laughs) the trail of the evidence. Right, right, and that's what my guests will provide. Um, I will say, you know, Rene Descartes, right? He proved that the consciousness moved on or lived on. He gave people hope of living after their body dies. And so the, the people that I interview provide that, that proof for you, that evidence, um, even and for myself, you know, after having survived what I went through, um, it, it was almost like the gift that I had suppressed opened up even more. And after studying to be a Reiki master, that opened up for me. And so now it's like a, it's a regular occurrence where I may be giving someone a facial and their transitioned loved one will come in with all this information for them. And it's always messages. So I, like you, I'm a skeptic of everything I've ever learned, right? Everything I've ever brought in, everything I've ever learned. And still, even on the radio, every person I ever had on my show, I'm a skeptic of what they have to say until I hear the evidence, right? And I also see the proof for myself. I'm curious to know if in your the development of your own mediumship, because that's one of the things that you're about. It turns out you're a very versatile person. But in terms of mediumship particularly, are you at a stage or did you go through a process where you might be doing something on the surface entirely unrelated, might be, as you said, working with one of your clients as an esthetician, did you have the kind of experience like we used to see on the old Ghost Whisperer show where there's a, a disembodied spirit saying, oh, psst, over here, I need you to tell my Aunt Minnie something. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know? Yes. And it's kind of funny when it first started to come in, it was like I, I heard a name. Actually, I had a client and he was one of the first people it happened for. Um, he was on the table and he had never had energy work before. Um, and I, so I was doing Reiki on him. And all of a sudden I heard this woman named Harriet And she was like, well, tell him I'm here and tell him this is what my house looks like. And I'm like, I am not going to say that. That's insane. That's crazy. He's going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) Like, I am not going to do that. And I kept trying to ignore it, but it just kept pushing and poking and poking. And so finally I was like, do you know a Harriet? She kind of, she passed. 
And he goes, yeah, that's that's my my deceased mother-in-law. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I was like, I believe. So now it's just having it flow and honoring it. But yeah, it would happen all the time. And and like I said, during a facial as well, they just kind of appear next to me. And when I say that, it's not like an eerie ghost of any sort. It's almost like what I would explain it as is an image that appears in my mind's eye, right? So it's just like a flash photograph of somebody. And that's how they appear to me. You were talking earlier about having experiences when you were very young. And now we are saying that you have allowed this um, ability, the psychic ability to come out as an adult. Was there a period of time between those two things where you did kind of shut down your your uh, ability? Yeah, actually, there was a, a lot of times during that. I, I didn't want to seem weird in school. I didn't want to talk about it with my friends, my peers. I, I felt like no one would really understand me. Um, so, but yeah, I was seeing things a lot. Um, I've had, I, I've seen UFOs. Um, I've, I've actually seen deceased loved ones before. Um, but I, I just wasn't talking about it because I didn't want to be labeled as weird. Already in high school, it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm so pale and I have such dark hair just from my ethnicity. And I was made fun of by jocks in high school and called a witch. So I already was like dealing with that. Not everyone, just these two in particular. <laughs> so I was already dealing with that backlash and I just didn't want to step into it. I was just so afraid of what might happen. Plus, you know, it was really hard for my parents to understand. It was almost like I was doing it for attention. Um, like, for instance, every ailment that I heard about on television, I had. So I had a heart attack when I was five. I had cancer. Like, I had everything. So it was it was really challenging. I just, I didn't feel like I had an outlet and I didn't have any resources or mentors to go to. It sounds like you were very uh, spongy and absorbing a lot of things. Right. <laughs> uh, do you now have a support group? I know we've talked to a lot of mediums that say that even though they practice mediumship, they still talk to other mediums and and um, and and kind of. I guess share experiences and and things like that. Do you or or even just education? Do yeah. you have you continued on with that to to kind of hone what it is that you're doing? It's funny that you asked that. Yes, actually. Um, so I had a couple mediums on my show for Halloween, and one of them is Kate Kofeld, and I did a little mentorship with her because I wanted to just see should I be doing this? Am I a legit medium? You know, is is this something in my head that I'm making up or am I am I good at this and should I pursue it? So she actually had me do a reading for her. So I read for a professional medium and I was spot mm. on <laughs> like her grandfather came in. I could smell his pipe. I said he smoked a pipe like I, I her grandfather, her aunt, her mother. So that really made me feel good. And she's like, you need to step into your confidence. You're a really good medium. So, yeah, that that just happened, you know, a week ago. And then aside from that, yeah, people that I've had on my show, my radio guests from all over the world, I do keep connection with. So we do bounce things off each other because it's really important that we all embrace each other because we're here for the same purpose, right? We're here to make this place better. We're here to help people to help themselves. And in order to do that, we're stronger together, right? 
Hopefully. And Gary and I, <laughs> That's the idea. Gary right. and I listened to some of your shows in the KKNW archives. On under, Podcast on One. Podcast. Go into Podcast, and then you can find anybody who's on KKNW, or most people. And, um, and it was interesting. Uh, your format is interesting in that you seem to do some research where you, you do... Uh, you are very informative about things people may not know a lot about. How did how did that interest come about? Like with Gary and I, we're we're pretty much straight interview. We say <laughs> we say hello and then we're off to the races. But you have a couple of elements in your show that are very interesting, and I'm I'm wondering, you know, how that all came about. You know, it's funny because it it kind of just happened organically, or I will say I was just channeled to do that. So I wanted, because I'm such a skeptic, right, I wanted to bring in the research, to bring in the science, to bring in the history, because this is not new. Like I was telling Gary, this is not new. Um, And so it just kind of fell into that format where I could set the person up who I'm interviewing based on the research, based on the history, or based on some historical person, you know, in that fashion. And so that's kind of how it manifested um, and I didn't want to just read their bio. Um, I felt there was more in it, in it, right? Like, how am I going right. to bring this person in? So that's kind of how it happened. Very, very interesting. Gary and I went to the Salem Witch Museum a year ago. Oh, it, it was our, our first trip there. And we really learned a lot about that whole genre, including the fact that the original witches were midwives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there was something about midwives bringing life into the world that became suspicious by some people. And this was not a a heavy age of doctors anyway, but, um, but just the fact that the midwives had some power and and so then uh, they were labeled witches in, in some cases and how it kind of took off from there, uh, which is never having had green faces until the the Wizard of Oz. Right. That was the first green witched face, and that was all a matter of entertainment. But to find out the real story about you know the background of some of these things, uh, I find very very fascinating. And I'm I'm glad you're doing that kind of thing where people can get the get the history of it. Yeah, thank you. It's I think it's very important. <laughs> Sakura, I wanted to ask you, with uh, and I'm so enchanted with mediumship. It's not a gift that I possess to any degree, and I don't guess that I will go into any training. I'm a passive consumer of the practice of mediumship, and it's done me a lot of good over the years. I have to say. I'm curious to know, though, Sakura, in in your mediumship, when you have these experiences, do you have the opportunity, at least, to inquire of these spirits what it must be like to conduct what we might call daily activity? They don't measure time the same way over there. I've got that there. But in terms of what you do, if 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 we say, well, what are you going to do with your time? You know, over there, <laughs> what do they do with their reality where there is past, present, future, and you can see the big picture? What is the motive power, you might say, for their activities, their relationships, and their learning on the other side? Well, for one, I would say the the feeling that I get, because that that's that kind of outweighs what it is they're doing, but the feeling that I get is is this blissful peace, 
right? That that's where that's where they're at. That's what they experience. And and that's something that everybody wants to know because a lot of times, right, their 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 loved one who died went through something so traumatic and they didn't get to say goodbye and they knew they were in so much pain. And so to know that where they're at is so blissful, it's so peaceful. And when they do come in, I feel that energy inside me. Um, and it's undescribable. Now, as far as what they're doing with their time, I mean, they are visiting their family members. They are visiting everyone and checking in on each and every person, especially when they need them the most. And so, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, they don't communicate with me or I'm reaching out. It's not always going to be in the way that people expect it to be. And a lot of times it will happen during your dreams because um, that is when you're more, more, you know, influential and more lucid. Um, but yeah, they're just taking the time to visit in and check in on everybody. But you know, a lot of them too also have to do their work, right? Like whatever frequency they left in this world, they may have to change that in that world as well. So I need to make an appointment with you and I, I encourage others <laughs> to do likewise. I'm putting on my promoter's hat here. I had an experience. We only have a few minutes left, so I'll give you the short version. I was having a perfectly good night's sleep. This was a few months ago. And all of a sudden, in my dream, I felt like there was someone, felt like a female energy, coming and resting on top of me, like, like just gently laying on top of me as I was sleeping on my side. There, And when it got to the point where it felt so real that I thought someone was actually with me, though I couldn't make out who specifically, I was startled and I woke up. I had perspiration on my face and the hair on both my arms was standing straight up. <laughs> Heripolation, I think they call mm -hmm. it, Suzanne. There and I Suzanne just kind of tossed and turned a little bit and I said, "Honey, there I just had the strangest experience and I told her what I just told you and then Suzanne blew my mind with what she said." which I can't remember right now. It was so meaningful to her that she put it in the closet of her mind, threw in some mothballs and closed the door and locked it. But what she said was, what she said was, well, that's strange that you had that experience because I looked over at you just a few minutes ago. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I felt like, do you remember now? And no. she said, I felt, I felt like there was this shape. Yes. There, and I know your yeah. form in the, in the right. early dawn light and what you look like, your contours. She said that it seemed like there was something or an additional few inches of some kind of presence laying right over you on top of you. And I looked at that, she said, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm just seeing things. I don't know. Maybe he's got uh, the blanket pulled all the way up or something like that. And she dismissed it. And here I am there. I'm kind of shaken by this experience. And I've got the hair on my arm standing and I'm looking around in semi-darkness trying to see if anyone is with us. And I thought, now that is a unique experience. But I swear to you, somebody was in my dream. They were making their presence felt. Mm -hmm. And it was probably your family. And it was a shared experience because as you said it, of course, I remembered it. Yeah, I remember that other other thing there. Well, and especially as something that you could not just detect, I which saw is what it. I did. Yeah. You saw it saw in waking reality. It. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 
So, I mean, to establish that sort of connection, there are people I know, a handful of them anyway, who will have these sorts of experiences and it becomes commonplace for them. It's like picking up the phone and calling your mom a few states away and just having a conversation. I envy those folks. I also envy someone like you, Sakura, because you're able to tap in. It almost kind of came to you in the beginning, it sounds like, there, but you're able to absorb these images and to process them in a way that allows you to communicate. I don't know that I could ever master that, but to have access to that sort of thing, especially reliably, seems like a great gift from heaven. Yeah, it really is. And to just see and help the people that receive those messages on on this side, right? It just makes me feel really good. <laughs> so we have uh, about, what, two and a half minutes left by my reckoning? Okay, it's Sakura time for real. Let's get this is where the rubber meets the road. Tell people again about your show, both of them, and where, you know, where and when. And yeah. let's go ahead and get the word out so we can help build up your audience. It would be richly deserved. Thank you. So I do have a couple shows right now and actually launching a third this month called um, the Conscious Coaching Hour. The Conscious wow. Coaching Hour. Yeah. So it's going to be three of us coaches and we're going to, you know, choose a topic and everyone can call in for free advice. So that'll be the last Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. on KKNW. Love from the Hip is going to be the first. This is I know it's going to get confusing. The first and the third weekend or third Wednesday of every month. And then Go Beyond the Veil, which is with my co-host Rory, where we do interview people. But we, you know, try to put your skepticism to rest. Right. So we we're spirit. We say spirituality meets science. And that is the second Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. So. Yeah, so I've got some. I've got <laughs> three shows on KKNW. I love a lady with ambition. <laughs> I'm I think trying. that's terrific, and it's great to experience. I think you're well placed in the schedule because people need that lift in the middle of the week. Right. Yeah, it's kind of when we start to yeah get tired. Right. Let's raise everybody up. <laughs> Well, that is outstanding. I know that I, uh, I'm sure I speak for Suzanne as well. We would absolutely love to have you back. And in particular, I hope that we get to talk more about reincarnation and about past lives therapy. We touched on it a little bit. You bring things through in the sorts of illnesses and injuries maybe that we experience. I love to talk about that. I love to speculate about it. And I will say that you may be yet another medium I have met who accepts reincarnation as a, and I'm, this is the term I'm using now, but as a form of soul ecology, <laughs> because uh, it's hard for me to find a medium who does not believe in reincarnation in this day and age. Right. Maybe one I've talked to, they're not so sure about it, but everybody else, they say reincarnation doesn't matter whether you believe it or don't believe it, it's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just all understanding the, that in mediumship, it's it's us connecting with the essence of a person, right? So how does that person, how is that person able to reincarnate if I'm able to talk to them on the other side? Well, there's there's multiple things happening, <laughs> which is a whole nother show. <laughs> and it will be. It will be, yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sakura. We really appreciate that. Oh, thank and you guys so much. You're, you're a delight. And I also, I'm very grateful that you came into the studio. You didn't have to do it that way, but you insisted on sound quality. Of God course. bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Suzanne, who's coming up next? Jupiter rising. Oh, my goodness. That says it all. Eileen is always a blast. Very good. Folks, have yourself a wonderful and safe weekend. 
and we will be back. There's always something on the boil with Manson Mitchell. You are listening to Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.